0: Well, as uh, as we prepare and come to the time in our worship service in which we hear the the Word of God read and we believe that the Bible matters here and it shapes and, and forms us, and so we stand as a way to honor God's Word and to pay attention to His Word. And so today our scripture comes from John chapter 11, verse 35. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. Jesus wept. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, we've memorized those words, we've read those words, we've read over those words. But have we ever dwelt with those words? That the God of the universe who knew what was going to happen... The God who brought joy and healing and life paused to weep. And so, Lord, may these words resonate and reign in our hearts this day, this week, and in this life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm a little hard-hearted that may not be what you want to hear, but that's kind of the truth. Sometimes I can be really hard-hearted. I uh, I think that sometimes I used to think that was a sign of of strength. But as I began my my break, I had a friend of mine who recommended this book called The Gift of Tears to me, and uh, and so I, I began to to read this this book by a guy by the name of Corey Russell, and it and it just sort of shook my my world a little bit because it. It changed the way that I I saw myself and and the way that I saw the world. One of the early quotes in his book is this, more than likely hardness of heart is the greatest threat to our ability to reach this generation with the gospel. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting maybe the greatest threat to, to reach the Uh, generation was uh, the culture wars or something like that but is it really our hardness of heart is that really the thing that we need more than anyone else because I'm probably like uh, some of you and maybe like a lot of you in which I'm really not huge into feelings or emotions I mean it's cool if other people have them but not me and I, I've lived my life wanting to always be the strong one and wanting to always get to the, the happy ending, right? And I, and I want to be the kind of, of person who, who, who always sees things on the bright side. And I think there's a lot of us who, who what we want to do is we like to skip over the pain and get immediately to the promise. We don't want to go through the the valley and the journey that comes out of it. We just want to get to the other mountainside as quickly as possible. We want to just fast forward through the bad parts to get to the end and to get to the goodness of life. And so we skip over the difficult things. And one of the things even I'm prone to do as a pastor is uh, is I get to, in the course of 20, 25, 30 minutes, I get to always end on the sunny side of life. Resurrection, hope, life after death. And we don't spend time in the negative, in the pain, in the brokenness. And I don't like to cry, and I don't like to weep. Our society has told us, grown men don't cry. Only the strong survive. Suck it up, buttercup. This is what the world tells us. But the gospel and the word of God tells us a totally different way of living. As I was reading this book, uh, another quote that stood out to me says this way, tears come when you run out of options. They are a language all their own. They're the expression of a soul that's on the other side of words. Such tears will provoke a response in God. He won't be silent at your tears. And so kids, if you have your notebooks, I invite you in box one to to draw a picture of a time that you cried. I remember some of the times that I've cried, and I'm one of those people who can really count the times that I've really had a good cry in my life. Maybe there are some of you who you can't count, all right? You've had lots of good cries, but there are some of us who who we can really count the number of times that we've had a good cry. I remember it was the last day of eighth grade. I was at Waller Junior High in Enid, Oklahoma. The final bell rang, and I was getting my stuff together. Now, the last day of school is a day of celebration, but for me, it was also... A tough day because it was the last day of school before we would be moving uh, to a new city and starting um, just a new life at a new place, and so I was I was getting my stuff together and I was doing all right, but I had learned already that you know to keep it together, but it's hard when you're 14 and you're saying goodbye. And so as I was getting my stuff together, I remember there was a guy by the name of Curtis McCoy. Now, Curtis and I, we played football together. He was somebody that was like kind of a friend. You know those people, like you know each other, you talk, but you're not really friends. And he was singing a song. Some of you may remember, uh, We Were Merely Freshmen. I don't know if you remember that song, but he was singing that song. At the end of eighth grade, here we are now, freshmen. And he was singing that song in the hallway. And for some reason, like weird thoughts come to me. One, like, I will never hear that song and not think of that moment, right? And then I thought, I'm never going to see Curtis again. Now, Curtis wasn't that important to me. But grief is weird. And it hit me. This is it. And then it hit me. You know how it goes, right? Sometimes you, you feel it coming in your gut, and then it gets in your throat. And, and, and I just knew I had to hold it back. I couldn't let it. couldn't let people see couldn't let them see me cry. I couldn't let them see me weak. And so I, I walked out the hall, and people would say, Aaron, have a great summer. And my thought was, have a great life. <laughs> and I walked, and it was just a couple blocks home, and, and when I got home, I could finally let it go. And the tears just came down my face, and my dad was there, and he gave me a hug, and, ah, oh, grief is hard. Saying goodbye is hard. When you lose something, it's hard. Even if there's something good on the other side, there's still pain in the journey. I remember when I was, I think I was 22 years old, Heather and I had been married about a year, and it was Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is the day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I don't remember what day it was on the calendar, but I remember it was Holy Saturday. And on Good Friday, I preached a Good Friday service at Goodrich United Methodist Church in Norman where Heather and I were working at the time. And I remembered that that service was particularly powerful for me. I don't know if it was good for anybody else, but it was powerful for me because as I talked and reflected on the death of Jesus, I couldn't help but think about what was going to happen the next day, the funeral of my grandmother. And so there's something about death and then thinking about the death of Jesus that just hit me. But I was in performance mode. I was in strong mode. So Good Friday, I was I was in it. And on Friday, after the Good Friday service, Heather and I, we got in the car and we drove up to Wichita, Kansas. We went to my grandmother's house. And all the cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody was, was there. And, and one of the things that, that we were doing is we were playing and singing in grandmother's funeral service the next day. So I, I played the guitar. And so my cousin and I, Jordan, were playing. And um, and Heather and my sister and a couple other people were singing as well. And so we were, we were practicing. And we chose the song Untitled Hymn by, by Chris Rice. It's a beautiful song that, that, that hits me hard every time I hear it. I almost asked the band to play it, but I thought, no, i I, I got to be good for this service. And so as we, as we practice, you know, I'm just really in this mode of like practice, get, make sure you feel good with the song, do that sort of stuff. And so the, the service happens, and it's time for us to, to come up, and, um, and I'd been doing good. People would say, ask, when you do someone, well, how are you doing? How are you doing really, you know? What's the right answer to that? And so, but I was doing well. Uh, my grandmother, uh, she was my last remaining grandparent. Uh, she was the one that I knew the best, uh, but I was strong. I had it all together, right? And so as I, was, as I was there and we were playing, I, there was this moment while we were singing this song that I thought, Aaron, this is your grandmother's service. You better like open yourself up a little bit. Don't just be a robot through it. And so there is this, this line in that song that says, dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus, dance for Jesus and live. And so I had the weirdest thought, one of the weirdest thoughts I've ever had in my life is I imagined my grandmother dancing. Now, I had never seen my grandmother dance, let alone imagined her dancing. She what, didn't seem to be the dancing type. I mean, she was Methodist, so she could, all right? It's not like she was Baptist and not allowed to, all right? She could dance, all right? But I just couldn't imagine. And so as I'm, as I'm playing and as we're singing, I'm picturing my grandmother dancing. And some of you right now are picturing your grandmother dancing, all right? And I, and I opened myself up a little bit emotionally, and I imagine if there was a video of that moment, you would see me just crack a little smile. But when I cracked that little bit of a smile, it opened up the door that became an open wall. And that's when the emotion started building, and I was trapped. I was in front of people playing my guitar. I had to be strong, right? I don't want people to see it, but there was no holding it back. And when we got to the final verse, and with your final heartbeat, kiss the world goodbye, then go in peace and laugh on glory's side and fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus. Fly to Jesus and live. Those words that I just said, I could not sing. As tears filled my eyes and the lump overtook my throat, I put the guitar down, walked off, and... I sat down, and then the dam just broke, and I started weeping and wailing, y'all. I hated it. You know, it, it was and it was so loud that like whoever was after me, like praying, they stopped, you know, so that other people could hear the prayer. But I just couldn't help it. Have you ever been there where you just couldn't stop? I mean, I felt so guilty for crying. For crying out loud, I felt so guilty for mourning the loss of my grandmother. There was a guy by the name of Bruce. And Bruce worked out in the oil fields. He was a roughneck and he was a rough guy. And he, he, he loved his daughter, but he wanted a different life for her. But she fell in love with um, somebody that he worked with. And, and, and you may remember the story. But as I watched the movie Armageddon, and Bruce Willis took off the air pack from Ben Affleck and threw him back in the spaceship before he had to blow up the asteroid to save the world and he said goodbye to his daughter. The great thing about the movie theater, it was dark and nobody could see the tears coming down my eyes. And if you didn't cry at Armageddon, you've got a harder heart than me, all right? It was recently. My wife and I were sitting down with our marriage counselor. Now, some of you may be jolted that your pastor's in marriage counseling. Um, You should be more concerned if your pastor wasn't because marriage is hard. I tell everybody who I do premarital counseling with, I say, we have no idea what we're getting ourselves into. It is hard combining two people into one. It's hard to do this. It's a beautiful thing, but it's a challenging thing. And so as we were sitting there and, and as we were sharing our story, then an insight hit me that I I wish I had years and decades before. But because of my addiction, in which I've shared some of that story with you all before, and because I believed that I always had to be the strong one, that the job of the husband was to be needed, but never to be needy, that I had been emotionally unavailable to my wife for most of our relationship. And when it hit me, the pain that caused her, the pain that caused me the pain that it caused us I just broke down the grief hit me the tears started flowing the what felt like a punch in the gut was there and the brokenness that existed because I thought I had to always be strong and that's what love meant and I was wrong You know, those people that say, grown men don't cry, don't look at Jesus. Because to follow Jesus is to follow a tear-stained road. Jesus wept. And if the God of the universe can weep, why can't I? Am I supposed to be stronger and more manly than Jesus? We've missed the boat here. I mean, the story that we have is an incredible story. Now, I just read two verses. I didn't want you to stand too long, all right? you all. I know some of you seem stunned when I said, this is the word of the Lord. And you're like, that's it? Jesus wept? Whoa, I was ready for some more. I mean, these two words are just so astounding. Let me tell you a little bit more about the story behind it. Because there's some things in the story that just really stand out to me. The first part of, of it is that Jesus had friends. Mary, Mary's sister Martha, and then their brother Lazarus were friends of Jesus. They weren't disciples of like the 12 disciples. They were Jesus's friends. And so people came to him and they said, Jesus, your friend whom you love, Lazarus, is ill. Your friend whom you love, this is Jesus. This is what, who he is and what he does. Now, you would think that Jesus would get up and go right away, or maybe even we know that he could just speak words and Lazarus would be healed, but that's not what Jesus did. It says that he stayed two more days. Why would he do that? Why would he stay instead of run or speak the word? And it was a couple-day journey to, to get back to where Lazarus was. And so when Jesus returns to where Lazarus is, Lazarus has been dead four days. Four days of grief, four days of misery, four days of disappointment, four days of sorrow, four days of wondering, Jesus, where were you? And so he's approached by Martha first. And she says these words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You've said those words, haven't you? Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you had been here, this miscarriage would not have happened. Lord, if you had been here, my child would not be ill. Lord, if you had been here, they would not tell a stage four cancer. Lord, if you had been here, that person would not have hurt me in that way. Lord, if you had been here. She had the gall to say those words to Jesus' face. And do you know what? The scripture invites us to say the same thing. Because there are things in this world that are broken And Jesus lived in this broken world. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I know we feel it because we think, God, you're supposed to save. You're supposed to redeem. You're supposed to heal. Why don't you? We came to you two days ago and you don't even leave town. What took you so long? Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you had been here, my child would be sitting next to me in church and not doing God knows what. Lord, if you had been here. And so what happened in the story, as the story continues, is that Mary goes to him. There's some great, there's a whole other sermon I want to preach, but you all aren't going to get that one today. Let me just stay where I'm going. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying the same thing, Lord If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Jesus was moved, was troubled by the tears of others. Now, by this point in time, Jesus had already said, I am the resurrection and the life. He had already said that Lazarus was coming back to life. He had already said, Lazarus is just sleeping, don't you worry. I mean, if I was Jesus, and all these people were crying, and I get a little uncomfortable when a bunch of people cry, I'd have been like, hey, y'all, watch this, Lazarus, come out. But that's not what he did, because he wasn't uncomfortable. He was broken. And so he wept with Mary. He wept with Martha. He wept with them. So kids, in box two, I invite you to draw a picture of Jesus weeping with his friends. He was moved by their tears and he's moved by yours. And then we get the scripture we read today, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. These powerful words. I invited my wife Heather, who's an artist, to to create this art. There's some in the pews. We've got some extra as well. But this is who Jesus is, is that Jesus wept and Jesus weeps. And he weeps with you, and he weeps, and he wept with them. Now, normally when I preach this sermon and this text, then I make sure that I I, I talk about, I get through with this weeping part as quickly as possible so I can get to the resurrection, Lazarus come out. But today I want us to dwell in the weeping of Jesus and in the weeping of one another. Because as people, we are pain avoidance experts. We are going to do whatever we can to avoid pain. Now, uh, there's lots of ways that, that people do this to avoid pain. Now, uh, one of the things I like to say is, I don't know your story, but I know that you have one. And in a, a room this size and with the earlier service and people watching online, there are statistically extremely likely that there are some of you who are struggling with substance abuse. That in order to avoid the pain of, of, of your job, of your marriage, of, of, of your childhood that you're drinking alcohol, that you're taking opioids, you're doing something in order to numb the pain because you cannot stand it any longer. If that's you, you need to cry out for help. Maybe there's other addictions that you're participating in and you're just hoping nobody would ever find out. Maybe when you come home, you just get on your phone and you, you just play games and scroll Facebook because you don't want to face a reality out there and so you're in a virtual one instead of being present in the moment maybe all you do is work 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 because you can't face anything outside of it i don't know your story but i know that you have one and we are specialized in pain avoidance and we want to skip to the promise and avoid the pain but that's not what the gospel invites us to The gospel invites us to dwell and to grieve. We give you a couple of days of bereavement and then you better get back to work and get going stronger than before. You had time to grieve. So kids in box three, I invite you to draw something that makes you sad. And so what is it today that you don't want me to say? What is it today that's going to cause whatever it is down here to start springing up and you're you're saying, Aaron, please don't go there. Is it the loss of somebody? Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was a year ago. Maybe it was 15 years ago. But you never grieved the passing of your dad. You never wept for it. Because you had to be the strong family member and you had to take care of everybody else and by then you felt bad and you felt guilty. Maybe... It's a dream of what could be that has been s- smashed. Life didn't go the way it was supposed to. You were supposed to have the great marriage, the great kids, the great job. All these things were just supposed to work out, and they didn't. And life is harder than you ever imagined. And you have this dream of what should have been and the reality of what is. And it just hurts, so you can't think about it. Maybe there was some great injustice done to you. Maybe something got held up in the court system for so long and, and the people who should have been guilty never got guilty. They never, there's no exact right thing that should have happened. And you feel that this injustice has happened and you're wondering, it's not supposed to be this way. Maybe nobody ever told you marriage was going to be as hard as it was. Maybe you thought that kids were going to solve your problem. Maybe you always waited for the next right job, the next house, the next car, the next toy, and nothing has fixed the grief. And so what often happens with our grief is it becomes anger and bitterness, and we we live, if we don't grieve, what we should, we live a life of anger and grief and bitterness out towards others. And so maybe you've never grieved what happened to you as a child. It wasn't right. It wasn't fair. It shouldn't have happened. He shouldn't have done that. She shouldn't have said that. And you've been holding it on because you believed the lie that you have to be the strong one all the time. And that being the strong one means you don't show emotions, that you don't cry, that you never are vulnerable. Here's what I want you to know today. This is the good news. Your pain matters to Jesus. And when you cry, he cries right alongside you. When he weeps, he holds you. And he is with you. And our wounds are healed as we weep with Jesus. If you keep doing what what people like me have done for a long time, which is just think, you know, if I put it in the closet and I lock the door, it's never going to come out. It's going to magically disappear but that's not how it works and as people of faith we have to practice getting there and follow in the ways of jesus in the book he has this quote it says this you have to get in the valley of weeping with jesus because that's the place from which resurrection manifests one of the reasons why i as a pastor love holy week is it starts on palm sunday and everybody's like yay jesus and then we go through the journey of Monday, Thursday where, where Jesus has this bittersweet meal with his disciples who are about to betray him and deny him and abandon him. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. And then Good Friday, we experience the death of Jesus. And there's this emptiness in which we leave. And then we come back on Sunday where resurrection is. And if you don't come to the the services during the week, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, all you do is you go, Palm Sunday, yay, Jesus is awesome. Hey, Sunday, Jesus is risen, but you don't take the valley. And we gotta take, we gotta be in the valley. So we're gonna talk about resurrection and hope and celebration and partying like Jesus another day, but today's not that day. Because today we're just gonna be with our wounds and with Jesus who wants to heal us. And so kids in box four, I invite you to draw a picture of Jesus weeping with you. What does it look like for God to be crying with you? And I'm going to encourage us to have the courage to be vulnerable. Now, if I was sitting out there and I was hearing the sermon, I'd be like, Aaron, uh, uh-uh, I ain't going to do it here. I may go home and cry. I may, I may just drive in my car a long way home. You know, if I can suppress it as long as possible, that's good. That's what I would choose to do. But I don't want that for you, and that's not what I want for me either. There are people in this room who need to weep. There are people who are watching this who need to mourn. There's brokenness that has overtaken your life. And everybody says, just keep going, keep moving. You can do it. Get stronger. Just go. And the gospel says Jesus weeps. He he writes these words, the gift of tears is the outward sign of an inward revelation of our inability to change anything. They are the manifestation of poverty of spirit. Tears are liquid prayer. They are liquid desperation. And so what I've learned is that my avoidance of my tears is actually my avoidance of God. Is that when I avoid my tears, when I suppress them, what I'm telling God is, I don't need you. I literally think, God, you got lots of other problems, all right? If you don't think there's other problems out there, God, and bigger problems, just watch the news, all right? You take care of other people, I'm going to take care of myself. And I don't have the courage to say, Lord, I am desperate for you. And so it is my pride, not my strength, that keep my tears from flowing. My pride, my thought that I've got to be the strong one. I am to be needed and not needy. I am to appear as if I have it all together when I really don't. That is what people want from me. That's what they expect. When the strongest person who ever lived wept with his friends even knowing the goodness at the end and so if you want healing for your deep wounds, the things you don't talk about the things that you've avoided for so long the only way to get healing is through the tears of you and Jesus don't avoid them embrace them and so what I'm going to invite us to do is just have some time here just to be still and and we're going to invite you up to this altar we have some crosses that the youth um, had and if you just want to cross them just to be able to hold on to as a reminder that that God is with you you can we're going to have just a little bit longer of a time of prayer at the altar because again I I know what I would do if I was you which is try to just push it down but what if we invited God in what if we said Lord Lord move there's a song by a guy by the name of Rich Mullins and he says these words and they hit me in, this early, in the early service hold me Jesus because I'm shaking like a leaf you have been king of my glory won't you be my prince of peace and maybe you've been there and you don't want to be shaking anymore and you just need to be held by Jesus we're here for you we can be the very body of Of Christ for one another so the altar is open you're invited to come and Jesus will meet you here we'll have people who would be glad to pray with you if you open your hands we will come to you and just pray with you it's amazing what happens when the people of God gather together and pray and are just vulnerable with one another and with God and maybe there are some of you who are like Aaron nice try you're not going to get me today that's okay Because God's not going to stop knocking at the door of your heart to say, let me in. Jesus was strong. You don't have to be. Jesus was strong. Let him be. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 830 and 1050 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.